So we've been talking about a lot about teamwork, and, and the past couple of weeks have been talking about um, kind of our attitudes when entering team uh, activities. Well, today is going to be talking, and the shift in our series is kind of shifting to key components of teamwork. And I want to make very clear, when I say team, like, I don't just mean sports teams. Obviously, I know I've been using a lot of sports quotes and sports analogies because that's one of the things that connects me. But I, I, I don't mean just that. Whatever you consider in your life as a team, so whether that's family or that's something at work or that's a group of your buddies who play video games, Elijah Dean, or uh, whatever else that you may have in your life that you consider to be a team, these uh, subjects, they, they apply to that. And so just want to be clear on that. And, and today we're going to be talking about trust. Now here's the thing about trust. Trust is not a thing, okay? Trust is not like a grasp, a graspable, is that a word? Graspable. I'm, I have the mic. It's a word today. Uh, so anyways, trust is not something that we can often grasp, right? That we can feel like this is a thing that I have. But trust is a feeling. It's something that is inspired within us by the way that people we are involved with act and behave. So we can do things to inspire trust. But at the end of the day, if you trust somebody in your life, you trust them because they have inspired that feeling within you. If we want to have success on the various teams that we find ourselves on in life, trust has to be part of that team experience. One of the best examples, in my humble opinion, and it is a humble opinion in, in Scripture of trust, is the story of Joseph, the father of Jesus. And so we're going to look a little bit at that today, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and this is what they say. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, here's the thing. We know very little about Joseph, right? Pretty much all we know about Joseph comes from Scripture, and he was not mentioned in Scripture all that often. We see Joseph in Matthew and in Luke. We know from histories that the agreed-upon birth date of Joseph was around 100 CE. Uh, we know that he was a descendant of David because that is noted in Matthew. And we know that he was visited by angels twice, once in this instance where he was told to accept Mary as his wife and to be the father of Jesus. And then another time after Jesus' birth when they were warned of Herod and told to go a different route back home uh, to spare Jesus' life. And we also know that he was dead by the time that Jesus was crucified and most likely before Jesus ever started his ministry. But we also know that based on the scripture that we just read, that Joseph is a man of extreme character He's a man who trusted God, and he's a man who had the trust of God. When we build trust in our relationships, there are three things that I think have to be there. 
Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I think that you need at least these three things to inspire trust in your teams. The first one is consistency. Consistency. In order for us to inspire trust within our teams, we have to be a consistent force in their life. Being consistent means that we respond to situations um, in a reasonable manner and in an unsurprising manner. Right? So I worked with a guy for a long time, and he shall remain nameless. Uh, he was a boss over me, he was a manager, and I had a struggle with him that I never really knew what to expect from him, right? So one day I would do something without asking, we'll just say like there was a task and I would just go in and do it, and he would say, why didn't you ask me about this first? And we'd have a discussion that would turn into an argument, and I was just trying to get the job done, and well, you don't do anything without asking me, and okay, next time I'll ask. So the next time I had something I had to do, I waited so I could talk to him about it, and he wanted to know why it hadn't already been done. And I was like, do you not remember like a month ago? And I brought that situation up, and he was like, yeah, no, the job needs to be done. Just get the job done. And so I was like, okay. (laughs) That inconsistency in in the way that he behaved in our relationship there, it kind of leaves me in like a no man's land um, where I'm almost petrified to do something, and I'm petrified not to do something, and I just kind of flip a coin and, and then do whatever that coin says, right? But the trust in our relationship took a major hit because I couldn't trust how he was going to react in various situations. And so when we're on teams and people have questions, they have jobs to do, or um, they're looking at, at ways to improve the team, they need to know that we are going to respond to them the same way every time. They need to know what to expect from us, and we need to know what to expect from them. And so as leaders, we need to be consistent in our behavior. The unexpected is appreciated, from my knowledge, on roller coasters and in corn mazes and probably a few other places, but not in relationships. Okay, in relationships, we want consistency. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O sons of Jacob, you are not consumed. In Psalm 102, 27, the psalmist says about God, but you are the same in your years will not come to an end with regards to God's promise to King David. In Psalm 89, 34, God says in a vision, my covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. So what do we know about God? We know that God is a constant force. We know that God will always be a constant force. We know that God stays true to his word. We know that God is consistent. Joseph is working off these stories. You have to remember the Old Testament was Joseph's scripture. And so he's working off the stories of Adam and Eve and Moses and Abraham where God stays true to his word, where God is consistent, where God says this will be and then this happens. And our teams, we have to have that same attitude. We have to have that same consistency so people can lean on us and trust us and know, hey, when they say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And regardless of the outcome, I know that they are going to respond reasonably and I know that they are going to respond consistently and I know that no matter what, they they are going to give me a constant presence and response. Matthew 5.37 tells us to let our yes be yes and our no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. We need to say what we will do and then do what we say. It's one of the biggest lessons in my life. Now, I will be honest that have I always been able to keep to this 100%? No, I haven't. Because there have been times where I, in the best of intentions, have said, this is going to take place, and then just could not make it happen. And so within that, there's a lesson there too, right? At, at the place I work, at Federal Protection, we have a motto for over the whole company. And the whole company, the motto is, under promise, over perform. 
under promise over perform. And that's something that has actually stuck with me because in my life I think I should never promise more than I know I can absolutely guarantee to deliver. And it may seem a little dishonest, but if I can set those expectations lower and then come in and blow them away, that's always better than saying this is what's going to happen and not coming anywhere close. And in life, part of being consistent, staying true to our word and, and doing what we will say we will do and at times coming in and blowing those expectations out of the water. And so that is something that we need to strive to do when we are looking to build trust on our teams is be consistent. When you are consistent, there's no need to swear by your statements. That's another thing. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're a consistent person, you don't have to swear by something you tell somebody. You know, you don't have to, I, 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 I promise, on my mother's life, on, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is going to happen. Like, if you're a consistent person, people will trust your word. There's no need for that in life. Ernest Hemingway once stated that the best way to find out that if you can trust somebody is to trust them. Well, Joseph trusted God because, one, he had never been given another reason not to. And because he believed that God would have the best in his life for him. And so when you're a leader of a team, are you inspiring that in your people? Are you giving them a reason to not trust you? Or are you rewarding their trust by being that consistent presence? The second thing that I think we need in teams to build trust is loyalty is loyalty. As leaders, we need to be loyal to the people on our team. We need to be loyal to the people on our team. Joseph showed immense loyalty to Mary. He showed immense loyalty to Mary. If you look at this situation, right, Mary should have been dead. Like, that's what the law says. The law says Mary gets stoned because Mary was engaged to be with Joseph. And, and, and back then, look, engaged now and engaged then was completely different. Like, engaged then they were already pretty much married. They just hadn't had that official ceremony take place. But like once you're engaged back then, there's no being with anybody else. You are destined to be with that person that you were engaged to. And the only way that you get out of engagement is if there is some sort of dishonesty or cheating or child from someone else that happens in that place. And so when Joseph sees Mary has a child, and I know that we haven't, that's a problem. Now, Joseph could have raised H-E double hockey sticks in this situation. Okay, he could have made a huge public ordeal about this. The minute he found out, he could have dragged Mary into the street, yelled about what she had done, and then they could have all stoned her. But Joseph was loyal to Mary. He did care about Mary. He loved Mary. And so he said, listen, I'm going to divorce this woman quietly. His goal was to leave her with as much dignity as possible. In our teams, when we have team members and somebody comes up to us and they say, well, so-and-so did this. Or so-and-so did that. Rather than believe those false statements about somebody or even buy into maybe what may be a true statement about somebody, we need to back the people on our team. Okay, we back the people on our team, we support them, and then we go later and privately we can investigate those claims. And then if we find those claims to be true, we can go to the person on our team, we can, approach those about those, we can approach them about those claims, we can discuss those things, and we can go to the person who made those claims and we can offer an apology. But it's easy, easier to apologize to somebody who's, on your, who's not on your team 
than to regain the trust of somebody who is on your team and you broke it. And so just by Joseph's very act of showing loyalty to Mary, he allowed that marriage to take place. He also allowed Jesus to be born. Because he showed loyalty to Mary in that situation, there was no stoning, there was no death, and there was an opportunity for their relationship to continue. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Tommy Lasorda, he is a famous manager for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He had a statement once. He says that if you give loyalty, you'll get it back. Jim Brown, he's a Hall of Fame running back for the Cleveland Browns. Arguably, I think you can make the argument for the best running back of all time. He stated that you cannot get me to be disloyal to a friend. You just can't do it. Loyalty is part of what I live by. I didn't say I was going to be loyal to my friend because he was right. I'm going to be loyal to my friend because he's my friend. Right? I'm going to be loyal to my friend because he's my friend. We look at people on our teams, right? We build such close relationships that they become our friends. We need to understand that it's not just an, in, uh, an unpersonal relationship in these instances. We look at things sometimes and we say, well, it's just a business decision or this is just the, you know, the, the smart decision and we, we kind of take away the personal aspect of it and we forget that we're playing with people's hearts here. And that goes in every situation, in every team situation that you may have. We need to understand that these people start to lean on us, they, they become dependent on us, they become our friends, and vice versa, we become dependent on them. And it is of the utmost importance that we show them our loyalty if we want trust to be a part of our relationship. Because what happens is as Tim Schafer quotes. Now, Tim Schafer, listen, I've been doing a lot of sports. I've got one for you guys. Tim Schafer is an American computer game designer. Huh? Huh? Totally different. He says this. He says, if you're not loyal to your team, you can get by for a while, but eventually you will need to rely on their loyalty and it won't be there. And that's exactly what happens. If you're not loyal to your team, eventually you will need their loyalty in return and it will not be there because you have never shown that to them once in your life. You have not been a consistent present in their life. You have not given them the support that they need to trust you. And so when you seek their loyalty, that loyalty will be gone. The third thing that a leader needs to be able to do to inspire trust in a team is to delegate. We need to be able to delegate in our lives. Okay, we need to be able to let go of things sometimes. Now, some of you... I would assume a perfectionist, right? We would call you type A. Like you like things done a certain way and you want them to be done the way you want them to be done and at the time you want them to be done. And so rather than let somebody else do it, you better just do it yourself to make sure that it's done right. And you are stressed out all the time. All the time. One of the ways that we inspire trust in life is to delegate. Because when you delegate tasks within your team, whether this is family or friends, work or church, when you delegate tasks to your team and you let your team do those tasks without hovering over every single situation in which you give them a task to do, it tells them, I trust you. It tells them that I think that you will get the job done. 
And when we show others that we trust them, when we show others that we have faith in them, then oftentimes that's reciprocal and it comes back to us. When God told Joseph that you will marry Mary, Mary, comma, Mary. When God told Joseph that you will marry Mary, you will raise Jesus as your son, it empowered Joseph to do so. It empowered Joseph to do so. Because in that act alone, it was counterintuitive to the way that society was in that day. He would have been mocked endlessly just for continuing down that path. But God's saying, I want you to marry her and I want you to raise my son, Jesus. Joseph not only felt the comfort to do that, but he also felt like God has chosen me for this task. And because God has chosen me for this task, I know that I'm the right one for the job. And I, don't, I think that allowed him to approach raising Jesus without fear. And we know that Joseph did play a major role in Jesus' life because he did live long enough to show him carpentry. Right? We know that Jesus was a carpenter. We know that Joseph, Joseph was a carpenter and that Joseph passed those skills down to Jesus. Can you imagine teaching the Son of God carpentry? I mean, seriously, like, hey, you're God's son. Come over here and learn how to make a chair. And he would have been like, hey, Dad, watch this chair. And Joseph's like, you can't use any of that stuff, okay? <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> Grab a mallet. But it told Joseph that he would be okay. We need to delegate for our own good as well because we can't do everything on our own. A lot of us think we can. Now, there's an interesting passage in Exodus that pretty much just walks us through this. And so we're going to look in Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 through 23. It has to do with Moses and his father-in-law. And this is what it says. It says, And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. And so when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a difficulty... They come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statue of God and his laws. And so Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing that you do is not good. This thing that you do is not good. Now that's counterintuitive because Moses is working for God here. He's connecting the people to God. He's telling the people God's mindset. He's, he's preventing quarrels and he's putting an end to disagreements and arguments. So how can this thing not be good? Both you and these people, this is in 18, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear themselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that they may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as Fear God, men of truth, hating, covetous, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. And then it will be that every great matter, now great matter is matters that these people cannot handle, these people that he delegated cannot handle. Now every great matter they shall bring to you, 
But every small matter they themselves shall judge, so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and the people will also go to their place in peace. If you're one of those people who says, everything has to be done my way, and so I'm just going to do it, you are going to wear yourself out. You may hold a position, you may fill a role, but you will not fill that role for very long. And you will not hold that position for very long because eventually you will be so stressed out that the only option you have is to give that position up. As leaders and teams, we must be able to delegate. We must be able to delegate. Trust your teams until they give you a reason not to do so. Trust your team until they give you a reason not to do so. So wives, this may be you trusting your husband to do something with the kids or to clean something that you want done in a certain way that maybe they won't do it the exact way that you want. Why are you giving me that look? (laughs) Right? And so we have these instances all throughout our life. We can pick and choose. We can say, there's there's an instance where I've tried to do everything on my own and so... uh, I'll just, I'll just do it because I want it to be done the right way. I'm facing that at work right now because as I'm getting ready to leave, I've been charged with training somebody else up and we'll have a tough situation come in where I'm like, okay, this person needs to learn that, but man, it's just a lot easier if I just do it. If I just did it, I know it would be done right. I know it would be done quicker and I wouldn't have to answer all these questions and it'll just get done. Husbands out there right now are like, just let her do it. <laughs> I did it the wrong way on purpose so she would do it from now on. Not, yeah, none of, none of you guys have done that, right? No, no one. But we have to be able to delegate in our lives. See, Jesus was an expert in delegation. Jesus, at the start of his ministry, what, is he, what did he do? He chose 12. He empowered the 12. He taught the 12. And then he left the 12 to do their work. And he had faith in them. And he was loyal to them. And he responded consistently to them. And in doing so, the church became what the church is. All because Jesus let go of the steering wheel and said, I trust you to do the job. And he left them empowered that they were chosen to do the work. In life, when we are on teams, we have to be loyal, we have to be consistent, and we have to show people that we trust them if we want them to trust us. And we need trust as part of our teams. So as you go throughout your weeks, as they are upcoming, you go throughout this week, you go throughout your day, think about those instances. How can you inspire trust in the various teams that you are on? Because trust has to be a part of teamwork. And any successful team trusts one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and your message. We thank you for the excellent excellent visualization of teamwork that you provided for us in the story of Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and yourself. God, how you raised a Messiah as a team. You trusted one another, and you were consistent with one another, and you were loyal to one another. And God, help us to be that way with individuals on the various teams that we find ourselves a part of as well. God, give us the wisdom and understanding to day by day walk in faith, to trust you, but to trust the people that you have placed in our path as well. Because, 
God, we can't do this thing on our own. As the old saying goes, there is no I in team. So help us to lean on one another, have faith in one another, be loyal to one another, and above all else, trust one another. God, I pray that you help us to trust you. To understand that your word is your bond and what you say will happen will come to be. And so God, when you say things like you will be saved from your sins and all you have to do is believe in my son, God, we know that that will take place. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for everything that you are. In your son's name, we pray. Amen. Now, I'll be standing over here to the left side as normal. If you need to pray about anything, come talk to me. Let's pray. If you need to discuss salvation, you have questions about that, whatever those questions may be, come discuss those things with me. If you're interested in becoming a member of Crosspoint, I'm there to have that conversation as well. If you have a relationship already with Jesus, but you've been what we call backslidden, or just far from God, and you just feel like there's a separation that you want to remove from your life, come talk to me about that as well. Otherwise, stand and worship the God who loves you, the God who trusts you, the God who we should trust, and the God who inspires us to trust others.